Welcome back to another episode of Laugh Not to Cry. I'm your host, Jeremy GJ, and we have a treat for you today. You're going to hear somebody else's voice, voice that's not my own. We actually have two extra voices today. I'd like to welcome people from the No Water Breaks podcast, Benjamin and Tiana. Welcome to the show, people. Hey, hey. Hi. Good to be here. Yeah, I told you guys we were having a guest soon, so, you know, get to hear some other opinions besides my own. Um, so, it's going to be a going to be a heavy one today, so let's kind of just jump right into it. So, we already have an episode called Man v. Sex, so today is Man v. Sex Part 2, and I plan on getting into some heavy stuff, so you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I kind of want to take a deeper dive into um, one, rape culture, two, um, men and helping women like explore their sexuality and being, you know, a part of that. So um, before I jump in with my own thoughts and things about that, I would like to hear the thoughts of you two about, you know, this, this term and this, um, movement to create information and, um, you know, create solutions about rape culture. So I'll let you two have the floor and you can go whichever order you want to go in. <laughs> I know. I just had to uh, to the wolves, but go ahead and, and uh, lead off on that one if you don't mind. I'll uh, ruminate on that for a second. Um. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> rape. Rape culture is multifaceted, right? Um. There are so many angles in which you could approach this topic from that I think that's what's part of what makes this such a hard topic to discuss. And then you toss in the emotional and psychological damages that come along with it if you were a victim of sexual assault or rape and then... Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know. Heavy, and, but and so so it's like it's like where do you start with this conversation as well? Like do you start with childhood or do you start with like I don't know, what's personally affecting you, what's um what's being talked about in the overall culture like how do you approach this conversation as well that's also something to consider whenever we talk about something like this um and then of course there's the whole other part of it too is like figuring out yourself and your sexual identity because you mentioned that and like your partner's part in that it's <laughs> just it's just uh I don't know I honestly don't know where to start on this to be honest okay yeah um rape culture people react so viscerally to that phrase for a lot of reasons um but I 
you kind of talked about the solution to rape culture. And that's, that's a big ask, um, because it is such an ingrained part of our society. But I think one of the most important aspects to recognize there is that it is a largely the responsibility of men to fix our own behavior, to fix the way that we support and enable rape culture. Even those of us who despise the very notion of sexual assault might play into rape culture by our by what we tolerate in our presence in our circle Mm -hmm. the looking the other way when people make jokes or um just the not opposing the commodification of female bodies um that becomes our responsibility so as men, that's an area that we have to act in opposition to rape culture. And rape culture has a political side. Um, and if you don't believe that rape culture influences our justice system and our laws, I would say exactly two words um, to prove my point. Brock Turner. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, first of all, rape culture is real. Um, refusal to acknowledge that is kind of hard to deal with because I feel like it's kind of a fundamental concept of a large portion of our culture views the female body as a commodity and not as the sacred possession of an actual human being. Um that's kind of where you have to start is ask yourself um how do you view the female body or i guess the human body in general yeah you both make some make some excellent points for me just kind of throwing you to the wolves out there um <laughs> so yeah the reason that i'm i'm talking about this today um not because something recently happened, but just in the grand scheme of my life, most of my friends are women. That's who I get along with mostly, um, mainly because I feel like my my testosterone levels seem super low sometimes. So my ego is not pretty; it's not that big, and I don't get into this whole like I don't enjoy you know dick measuring contests. So um, I end up getting along with men, women more often than not. Um, and the number of stories and um, experiences that I've been privy to over the years has really left uh, a mark on me because there has been like, I can't think of a friend who I've talked to that hasn't had some type of a sexual assault in their life um, being at any age. So it it kind of, it really, not kind of, it really pissed me the fuck off that that is such a prevalent thing that happens in our society and not just the U.S., but globally. Like, that is, like, something that's still, like, not talked about enough, not reprimanded enough, and not, you know, delve into enough about. And, um, you know, yes, and I agree, the solution is men changing their behavior and, also changing the behavior of other people in their 
circles, you know, who are engaging in language and activities that do not facilitate the health and well-being of, you know, our women counterparts. Um, so um, it's, it's just been something that's been really heavy on my heart. And I just wanted to, you know, have a just have a candid discussion about it. Um, and so I think I think the the start of getting this narrative to change and these actions to change is to start with a more comprehensive and truthful and candid uh, sex education, especially in the United States, um, about, you know, what is rape? What is consent? What is, um, you know, being when you hear a no, stop immediately. You know, what do, what does all of that really mean? You know, and not starting, you know, for me, sex ed started earlier than most people. Like we started in like middle school and then we had it up until like ninth grade. And that's not true across the country. Some people only have like one semester of health in high school and then they're supposed to go into the world and know how to do things. Like um, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I think one of the solutions is going like as starting as early as you can speaking on these things and having conversations about them and um, really putting a mark on young men that A, it is your responsibility to not only not do these things, but also prevent other people from doing these things and making sure that is a, a that is a priority in the minds of young men as they're growing up. And then also on the flip side, empowering young women to speak up if something like that does happen and also teaching them like to have um, agency over their own bodies and what it means to, you know, not only protect yourself, but also be, be ready to do what it takes in order to not have those things happen to you. Um, And I know for a lot of people it's out of their control. And, um, but also I believe in like, preventative measures because there's still going to be sick people in the world i'm sorry tiana go ahead yeah i i just think that in terms of when it comes to women and sexual assault and rape like there's not really much that we can do like that women can do because as it stands right now (laughs) like it doesn't matter what i wear Um, It doesn't matter what anybody who's female presenting wear. Like, I could be fully covered, be in a potato sack, still get raped. Could be walking around in the itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini and still get raped. Like, it doesn't matter what I wear. It doesn't matter what I do. Self-defense doesn't matter either because if I perform self-defense in a lot of places, not just in the U.S., but in a lot of places around the world, me protecting myself from the action of rape and I could still go to prison. Um, So, like, I don't really think that there's any onus on women (laughs) in in this conversation um, because 
there's tons of women who are doing the right thing. There's tons of women who wind up in situations that they never thought that they would wind up in. And they do all that they can. They do everything, quote unquote, right. And they still are the ones on the, they're still the ones facing all of the repercussions. So, um, yeah, I just don't think that this is a conversation where women can have any, like, substantial quote-unquote authority like we can have the conversation and we can talk about it we can talk about our experiences we can talk about what we go through and stuff like that and we can say all the things that need to change and help with the policies and whatever else needs to be put in place but there's no real ownership of rape and sexual assault for women unless they are the perpetrators of it because that's a part of a conversation that's often overlooked as well, is that women do rape and women do commit sexual assault. So if they are the ones doing that, then yes, there's ownership for them. But when we're talking about women being the victims of it, there is no ownership there. Yeah, I agree with that. I also was right before um, I let you go in, I was going to say that there needs to be a an overhaul of like what it means for like self-defense and all that stuff on a law basis too. Like if someone is defending themselves against those things, those people should not be facing repercussions. Like that's not something that should be happening. And that's also something that would have to change in the grand scheme of things. If there is to be any real change in it, like I agree, like teaching a woman self-defense doesn't do anything if she's going to be, reprimanded for it otherwise so in order for that to be an effective method against the people who decide that that's what they want to do we also have to change the laws and change the um the narrative of how we treat victims of sexual assault and everything and i also agree on the other half of like women do create do um involve themselves in uh sexual abuse as the perpetrators and that is the bigger discussion that we need to have um i just i'm not quite ready to have that one yet because it's a little bit too personal um so but yeah just speaking from a perspective of a of a young man who's kind of just sick of seeing it and sick of like sick of having to hear these stories over and over again from people that I love and care about and from people that I don't know and just care about as humans is just is if I know that it's exhausting for me, I can only imagine what it feels like to be walking around with that. And that's not something that we need to be passing on to later generations. And that's not me speaking as a big brother. That's not me speaking as a man, that's just speaking, speaking as a human. No one should be having to walk around with that kind of trauma in general. Um, and if I have a platform to speak on it and let people know that, hey, I'm here for you, I love you, I don't support any of that, then I feel like it's my place to ha have the discussion and say that outwardly. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um 
you're gonna have to bear with me. I'm not used to talking to people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm used to just rambling on for about an hour and then cutting off my equipment. So feel free to jump in and interrupt me at any point because I will just talk. Um, the, The main, you know, let's say meat of this podcast that I want to talk about was actually like on the other end of it, um, where, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You got all your consent and, you know, it's time, it's time to get hot and heavy. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what consent is, because I feel like a lot of people don't understand what consent is because consent is not the absence of a no. It's the presence of an enthusiastic yes and that's the only and continuing yes yes and that's the only form of consent like you there like there's tons of people who won't say the word no they'll say oh not right now or i'm not into it or they'll Mm -hmm. say something along those lines all those things mean no like if it's not an enthusiastic wholehearted yes then it's not consensual. And if you don't continue to have that enthusiastic yes, it's not consensual. And if at any point in time that enthusiastic yes is taken away, it's no longer consensual. Because people people have that all time. <laughs> like, like, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a sexual relationship or if it's something else. If you don't have a enthusiastic continual yes, then it's not consensual. And I just, I don't, I don't understand how that's not, how that doesn't click for people because I'm, I'm 100% certain that every single person faces some situation where they don't say no, they say something else that means no. Right. So why is that not understood in particular in a sexual the, situation? Because of the the rhetoric that was behind it, you know, the whole no mean no, no means no campaign, you know, was a valiant effort to, you know, stop sexual assault, but it left out all of the nuances, right? So now, you know, guys are a lot of times just simple minded one track. So they're not thinking of and this is not an excuse, but they're not thinking of I don't know or not right now as a as a no. You know, they're looking specifically for the word no because that's what the crazy person on the TV told them. It was no means no. So I got if I don't hear no, then that doesn't mean no, right? So that's something else we have to change the rhetoric behind. It's like a no comes in fifteen million different forms and. And you can so. tell when it's a no, right? And you can tell when it's a no and when it's a yes, right? And um, and you just have to be, you have to be cognizant of that at all times. Like people always, you know, joke around like it's not sexy to be asking, you know, are you okay yes, with this is. door sex? Ab- yes, it, it is. Absolutely is. <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent sexy as fuck. Because now you're, if you integrate it right, it's the best thing that could ever happen to your sexual life. And um, like, I don't, I don't yeah. know how else you get an enthusiastic yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing something right, they're more likely want you to continue on. And so that was yes. Thank you for stopping me there before I got into this section. So yes making sure that you have an enthusiastic yes 
every step of the way. If there's a even a little bit of shying away, take a step back, reconsider yeah, like, what you're doing. Like in particular, and have a conversation. In particular, with sex, I don't think that there is mm-hmm. necessarily any point in time during the action of which includes foreplay please stop forgetting about foreplay <laughs> um but i don't think that don't, don't skip ahead don't skip ahead <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that there's any point in time where like you stop and you're just there with each other that that makes that less that that takes away from it because like if you're intimacy like true intimacy means that you're just able to sit with someone like you're just able to be present with someone right and and that of that you two or multiple (laughs) people just being present (laughs) with each other that you build something else and you dive deeper with each other and so like I understand casual relationships or whatever but if you're trying to really get each other off then like you still need some level of intimacy in your interaction and so both are all (laughs) parties just sitting there and sitting with each other does not take away from the action of the intercourse and whole sexual interaction like it really doesn't it only adds to it and even if it's casual, like it adds to it and you can still be intimate with someone and walk away from a casual encounter without like attachments and stuff. So enthusiastic yeses do so much for you and being cognizant and aware of each other and taking time to pause and touch base only adds to it so absolutely so yeah that's a another big key thing that i'm on is before uh any sexual interaction touching base with the person asking like you know what do you like what don't you like you know is it if in a is it all right if i pull your hair do you like like choking where should i stay away from you know those type of things when you do those things, it allows your partner to know that you're being attentive to their needs and you're more likely to get that enthusiastic yes. You'll get, you know, especially with true for like new people you're interacting with. If you're like having casual sex, like a lot or whatever, uh, you, it, it stops being a guessing game. And more of like you're going on some true information and you're more likely, you're both more likely to have a good time versus, you know, you're sitting here like poking and pride and trying to figure out what the person likes. And if you would have just asked a question, you know, a few minutes before you would have had more information. Let me tell you, um, nothing, nothing turns a woman off more than poking and prodding. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going there. Absolutely. 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 That, that, that candid discussion is so important. Um, And like you said, it, it opens you up to experience a lot of 
really good shit. Um, especially if you exist in a like a sexual space that's outside the norm in any way, or outside of like straight vanilla. Like, please God, stop having boring vanilla sex. Um, <laughs> or do, or do whatever you do. That's your speed, I guess. <laughs> um, like, I mean, T's been involved in some of these discussions before. I I fall into like the <laughs> category of a pleasure dom. Like that's what I'm into. Um, like I get off on you getting off mm-hmm. as many times as possible. Yep. Um. And learning how to do that more effectively and making that happen is the best part of sex for mm-hmm. me. And you can't do that without dialogue, without discussing ahead of time, especially especially because so many people have had fucked up sexual relationships. Um and unfortunately, the number of people who exist in that BDSM space where that form of sexuality that can be completely healthy became something that was very not healthy due to the lack of that communication or due to one partner taking advantage of that situation because there are predators in that space. Right. Um. If you are, for instance, in a relationship with someone who has had that experience and you fail to find out where their boundaries are, you're going to fuck up. Mm-hmm. You're going to accidentally cross one of those boundaries. And it's not going to be pretty. And it's not going to be pretty. And what you intended to be even a loving thing just became an abusive thing because you didn't take the due diligence to just ask a simple question. Um, so it's, yeah, especially if you're existing in that space, this discussion, like BDSM revolves primarily around trust. If it is a healthy relationship and you can't have trust without conversation. Um, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Agree. Dudes, ask her (laughs) what she wants. So yeah, that's, so so we've we've covered it. So we've covered, you know, what consent is. And this is right now, if I were to teach a sex ed course, this would be the very first thing, right? Where well, not the very first thing, it's like the third step, right? We've talked about sexual assault. Boom. We under we have a general understanding of what that is. Then we talk about this, this conversation that you're having with your partner. And this is really important because it is the first step of foreplay, right? You can't go any further until you have this baseline of information. And guys are so, you know, penis led that they are like, I got to put it somewhere. I got to put it somewhere. And I got to put it now, right? But if you, if you skip this whole conversation part, that whole thing afterwards just becomes pretty lackluster and then this is how we get all these misconnotations about women and everything else and that's a deeper rabbit hole will go down but this first part is super important just a conversation beforehand you know you just close on have the conversation close on it's low pressure 
just ask, right? And one thing I learned just during my life, if you never ask, you never know, right? I learned this not even in a sexual context, just living in New York. I was hungry. I needed food. I had to ask for help and I got help because I asked, right? So same thing applies with not even just sexual relationships, like any type of relationship, platonic, friendship, whatever. Ask questions so that you and that person are comfortable with each other, right? Now, we've gotten to the questions. We've gotten the questions answered. You know, it seems like in the heat of the moment, you'll forget those things. You won't. They'll be ruminating in your brain. It won't turn anything off. And you'll feel more confident in what you're going into. Next, actual fucking foreplay. Okay, so... (laughs) on average from personal experience it takes women about 20 minutes to be in any headspace to have sex at minimum 20 minutes absolutely (laughs) absolutely 20 minutes right we're ready to go dick on full tilt we're ready to just Plow and bang and all the other weird euphemisms <laughs> we make for sex, right? <laughs> but for women, it takes 20 minutes. Now, there are a, in a plethora of ways to engage in foreplay, right? Yes. That you learn <laughs> from your partner what they like and what they do not like in that conversation before you start anything. See how this works, guys? You, if you follow the steps, everything you makes results. more sense. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have people running around talking about how you dick little, because even if it is, if you did everything right, they don't care. So <laughs> yeah, you, you have this conversation, you're in the foreplay, and you're doing the things that – your partner enjoys. Now, you will feel when your partner's ready, or you think you'll feel when your partner's ready. But this is another point in time where you ask a question before you move on to the next step, right? So you think you've you done your job, you've had your, <laughs> you're a weirdo, you set a 20 minute timer. <laughs> Oh, no. You're a weirdo. You said you're 20 minute timer. You said, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. I did all the things you said you liked. Now it's time for sex. False. Next, you ask the question. If I'm wrong here, stop me. You ask the question, are you ready and would you like to continue? Have I said anything false? No. Not at all. Okay, Let's let's just like that's that's the absolute that is the concept like that is the truth in full form right there, but I can already hear some like frat bro like choking right now. But like <laughs> let me let me let me put this this scenario in like out there in the world. You you've done your business, you know. She's you think she's ready. And what is what is sexier than asking her, do you want this? And if you want to get dirty about it is, do you want this dick? 
and you get the answer of yes, what is hotter than that? Mm. Like this should not like this should not be something that you're that you that you balk at of stopping and asking because not only first of all do you have to it's necessary mandatory but it's hot <laughs> like i i don't get this concept like why is this something that people choke on yeah i don't get it either because from my experience there there's so many people out here who want to be like oh yeah i'm a i'm a proficient dirty talker but like well why don't you talk <laughs> like, <nobody. laughs> right you wait till your dick is inside to start having a conversation when it should have been like you know a good 20 30 minutes before then yeah Absolutely. like like if you if you're this self-professed ma- master of dirty talking then you should be doing that during the foreplay you should be doing you should be working your are you good are you cool can we keep going into that you like like not at one point should you not be talking if you're going to be a self-professed dirty talker i mean like yes there are points where you should just shut the fuck up but like (laughs) (laughs) but but overall like if you're gonna be like yeah ah, my game ooh, yeah like then then talk then talk absolutely absolutely so now i have to circle back because this is how my brain works so let's Let's open this bag of foreplay. So <laughs> it is. <laughs> it has been. I'm going to speak about my own personal journey. So I was very much a prude in high school, but I was Only prude for school? one reason. <laughs> Only in high school was I approved. Sorry. I promise you. Only in high school I was approved. You don't know that side of me, Yana. We did not explore that. Listen, so. listen. No, I'm not. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> in high school, I was approved to the point of like, like religiously so. Like not even like, like not like in a routine, but like God-fearing prude. So it was very much... Well, it's, it's a twofold thing. Religion, because we were very much in the church all the time, but also a promise I made to my mom when I was like seven, eight years old. We had our our conversation about to- talk, uh, conversation about sex. Big air quotes around that. Um, and basically, she was like, "I'm not asking you to, but I would prefer if you waited till you were married to have sex." We would. That's that's an issue for another time, but that is the conversation that ha- happened. And I said, I promise, Mom, I won't have sex until I'm married. I'm seven years, eight years old. I like was holding on to that with an iron grip. I don't know why, but I was. And I think a part of it was being, you know, the first child of two teenagers. You know, they had me when I was still in high school. I was at their high school graduation, like. We kind of grew up together, that whole like feeling like, I don't want to be another statistic. I don't want to be a part of that. So I was really holding on to to that really tight. And so when it came to sex, it wasn't just, you know, you have to wait until you're married for me in high school. It was like, you don't do anything else, right? 
sex is sex. And you do that whole thing. I was like, I'm not eating pussy. I don't want nobody to suck my dick. It was the whole, like, none of it. None of it, right? I was not here for any of it. I thought it was all gross. So I don't, oh, I know what happened. So I had conversations, start having conversations with people who were sexually active. And at first it was real judgy in my brain. Just like, y'all are just weird. Y'all gross. That shit doesn't belong in mouths. What are y'all doing? And then as I heard more and more stories, I'm like, I'm the weird one here. Cause I'm the only one who thinks this is weird. Um, and I start learning more and I start doing research because, you know, my fear was that I was going to be a virgin until I died because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So as, as I started learning more, I'm like, oh, well, well, yeah, that, no, all of that stuff makes sense. And you should do those things because it helps with blah, 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 blah. And so then I came from understanding for myself. And then for a while, like that like foreplay things were the only thing that I would do until I eventually end up having sex, right? But I also can't ignore the cultural things that were happening around me that also influenced that. And so I was listening to somebody else and they brought up this point that there was this shift where like in like rap culture, men were like, I don't eat pussy, but I want my dick sucked for a long time. Like that was the very much the main, like, yeah, you can take care of me, but I'm not taking care of you landscape and idea within rap culture. Super problematic. And then Lil Wayne was like, I fucking eat pussy. What's the problem with it? And then the whole like culture flipped on his head. And then now it's everywhere. Now everyone's doing it. And then, you know, a few years after that, you know, people were like, well, I eat pussy now, but I definitely won't eat ass. And then <laughs> that came up the music. <laughs> and now everybody is ass munching. Hey, so, like some everybody. fucking candy canes. <laughs> Listen, we, we talked so. about this in, in our episode. Not everybody's doing that. Okay? <laughs> Look, we're having a conversation about sex. If you don't talk about ass eating in a conversation listen, about listen, sex, listen, you have no. a real I'm not saying I'm not saying we can't talk about it. I'm just saying don't don't say everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> way more now than it was then. So it was true. just a it's true. a hyperbole. Okay, okay. It's a hyperbole. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a you know that conversation was a thing, but I'm still hearing these rumblings of like, oh well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna give her head, but she can give me head. And I'm just like, you are the most Selfish. immature piggish person that I've heard because there's what what are you talking about? Like one, it's way easier to give her head for than for her to give you head Absolutely. more than likely. Mm-hmm. Um Fucking lock jaw. Like, don't even get me started. Like, lock jaw is a thing that can come out of that. I'm not. I'm not down yes. with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not. 
I'm not going to offer myself up to do that and then you not reciprocate. Like, like I could be for the rest of the however long the encounter takes with my jaw locked and you just not going to, no way. No, thank you. Man, <laughs> if, if, you are, if you are receiving head and you are not reciprocating, you a bitch. Right. <laughs> you a whole bitch. Like, that's <laughs> full stop. Yeah, because it's like, okay, so you can get all yours, but she can't get any of hers. And something I came across in research is that most women do not orgasm through penetration. Now, Absolutely. one part of that is because because a lot of men don't know what the hell they're doing, but two is also a relaxation thing, but that's the next, that's the next part of the conversation. So in order for a lot of women to orgasm during sex, it's through clitoral stimulation. Right. And so- you get that by yeah, there's, via there's fingers or tongue. Different kinds. There's 16 different kinds of orgasms, female orgasms, and only a very, very small percentage of them deal with penetration. Like that's one. That's one form of orgasm, but it's a very, very small percent of the female population that falls into the group that can do that. So if you think that she's orgasming because you stuck your penis in her, like that's false. Like that's not the case most of the time. Most so. of the time. So in order for her to get hers, like you're inevitably going to get yours. You have to start from the outside, then work your way in. So clitoral stimulation can happen in a myriad of ways. And you find out which one she likes the best in that conversation you had beforehand, right? And so for some women, like I've experienced, they're like, I don't like head. And I was like, interesting. And I asked a question because it's very far and few in between that I hear that from. Usually, that's usually all they want and they could skip the whole penis thing. So, you know, when you run into those things, you have to ask conversation, have the conversation, ask questions. And the, the conversation usually goes, well, I had it before. It was kind of rough. It was not good. I did not have a good time. And you go, okay. Now, there's two routes you can go with that. You can leave it alone and find something else that they enjoy. Or you can try to, like, introduce it to them in a different manner, in a different light. Now, that one takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of um, being very sensitive. Yeah, it takes a lot of like tiptoeing. And from my experience, it took a lot of tiptoeing and being like, well, okay, I understand. You do, do you just want to take it a little slow, see if it's a little bit different with me? I'm not that person, blah, blah, blah. But if we're not talking about that, that group of people who have had those experiences, and we're just talking about the general population who really does enjoy it. You're not doing it. Don't have sex. No. Don't have sex. Because that's just rude, especially if they're giving. Take a step back. Reevaluate your values. (laughs) What you you think was important in the world. And just be celibate for a bit. Because you are doing another human a disservice and my whole thing is my whole life model that overarches everything is it is not my place to make the life of somebody else more difficult 
right? So that goes for racism, sexism, you know, homophobia, all of that. Why am I? (laughs) Why am I going out of my way to make someone else's life more difficult? And so that applies to sex too. How am I going to make this sexual experience more difficult for somebody when sex is already kind of a weird thing as it is? Right. There's this whole like two bodies and spirits. Well, like if you go beyond like the physical thing, just like this whole thing like of colliding of spirits and you know, like you're being very intimate with a person and like there's not very many occasions you are that close. Yeah, well to someone else. No. (laughs) So here's the thing about that. That's a very like US centric perspective of it because you have countries out here that teach sex ed and and health from the moment that they enter school which includes preschool so they teach consent to kids who are four and five I mean even three-year-olds learn about consent um, and they learn about intimacy and they learn about how to talk to each other and how to enter into a relationship, not a sexual relationship, but just any sort of relationship with someone. And then they learn about all the sex stuff as it gets closer to puberty. So there are, there are countries and cultures out here living their good lives (laughs) and they have lower rates of teen pregnancy and lower rates of rape and, and sexual assault and all that's and transferring of uh, STIs and stuff like that because they start the conversation so young. So like, that's a, that's, that's, that's a U.S. problem, um, by comparison to so many other countries. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Cause I was thinking more of it as like a, not even just, a just not even as a sex thing, but as a, a colliding of spirits, like a colliding of energies. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So like, even if I'm with someone who is like thoroughly educated on sex ed and all that good stuff, they still beyond that have their own energy, have their own essence, have their own experiences. And with sex, you know, there seems there's always going to be a transfer of energy, right? And so anything you can do to make that transfer of energy more positive, in my eyes, is the is the epitome of what's going to make it good, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think that there are like a lot of cultures and countries that definitely have those conversations young, have those conversations early. Mm-hmm. And so in all of their interactions, not just sexual, they they understand that concept. I mean gotcha. sex aside, like you can you can do something with someone um or have a conversation with someone and you're drained afterwards and you don't understand why. That's not a thing in some places. Like they understand like the key, the body language and the nonverbal cues of someone becoming tired of a conversation or an experience simply because they just have better sex and health education than the U.S. does. 
So <laughs> yeah, no, we, I we really do be the ghetto of the first world. <laughs> 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 I mean, I feel you. Like I, I had no sex ed in school. Zero, literally none. Hmm. Um, and that, like we've talked about on our podcast before, I went to a like hyper Christian private school. So I had a lot of the same experiences that you did, Jeremy, but like there was nothing. It was not talked about. You weren't taught anything other than don't do it until you're married. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> Throw you to the wolves. Had to figure that shit out on my own. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Which the, is such a the disservice. The internet as your teacher. <laughs> such a disservice. <sighs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm very internet lucky the <laughs> to have not gone through through that experience of not having, not only not having sex ed in school, but just having parents, I guess, that didn't want to talk about it because my, so I grew up, I was a Discovery Channel kid. I grew up <laughs> mm-hmm. watching animals go at it because it was part of the documentary, you know, and like, it was always just passively uh, acknowledged and it wasn't anything weird or something because it's not like my mom was like, Oh, turn that off. Or as if like, if I said, Oh, what's happening that it wasn't explained to me, you know? And then my school did sex education and health education very differently. I went to the same school for nine years and we we had the big discussion where they separate the boys and the girls in fifth grade. But before that, we still had sex and health education conversations. And so anatomy wasn't anything necessarily new. Um, The boundaries, for example, wasn't anything new because we talked about boundaries. It's like it's other conversations that you can have or you can promote before you start talking about anatomy, before you start talking about the reproductive system, before you start doing any of that, that is important. And like consent, as we discussed earlier, is part of that conversation. And so like I learned all of those things really young in my household. And then it was reinforced at the school that I went to. And I know that I'm part of the minority in that case in the U.S. in particular. But if I'm looking at me in a global sense, I'm part of the majority because most people go through life in that way. Like it's not something that people are taught to be shamed, ashamed of in the rest of the world, unless that's through religion. Um, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, hmm. entirely so. So, yeah. So I just thought that it was okay. really important to point that out because I don't, I don't know yeah. who listens to your podcast and I don't want people from around the world to go, well, no, that's not like how it is my experience growing up and stuff like that. So, yeah, my my analytics say I have, you know, a few people listening from different parts of wherever. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for checking in. Um, But I also saw my analytics that it's mostly guys listen to my podcast. So this is very pertinent information. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, Okay, yeah, so we have this diff- these differing things that we have about, you know, consent around the world, especially in the U.S. We are very, you know, 
you know, Christianity centered, even though there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but let's not go into that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And so we're, we're going through this whole, like, where you're going through this experience, you're, you're having, you're supposed to be having foreplay, right? I'm not giving you any techniques because that's not what this is about, but this is more just like a general, like, Hey, things to think about. Um, so you've gone through foreplay for however long for me, I feel like mm, I'm kind of with Benjamin on the whole like uh pleasure dom like scenario because for me it's always like I want the ratio to be like three to one and so yeah at, least, least, here for at that. least at least three for her and then maybe my one or two depending on how much protein I've had. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, can we can we talk about that real quick? Because I think that's another thing that people don't know is that you don't like men don't have to ejaculate to have an orgasm like there are other types of orgasms for men as well like like most of male organ orgasms like do center uh penis based stimulation because that's your sex organ and you don't necessarily have like the other (laughs) equipment that women do but there are other forms of orgasms out there for men as well. So like, if you're just like wanting, if you're that guy who's like, well, I struggle to do foreplay because it's like on my mind or whatever, like one, you could just go have an orgasm beforehand before you get busy because 20 minutes is a long time. And by the time she's ready, you'll be ready again anyway. So like, come on guys. But also like there's other forms of orgasms out there. If you don't want to ejaculate, <laughs> like, like, so, so exasperate it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I know very little about that, and I am a penis carrying member of society, so um, I I just know about the big one. So you just inform me on something. I mean, the um, erogenous zones are the same. Like, like yes, like women, but mine have, are not nearly as sensitive. <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, it depends because erogenous zones aren't necessarily completely sensitive on women either, which is part of why sex can be very frustrating for women as well. Um, because just because I have these erogenous zones and I'm supposed to be sensitive doesn't mean that I am. And then also you have to take into account that some people have disabilities or illnesses where those sensitive places, you touching them are going to cause them pain instead of pleasure, like in the wrong kind of pain, not like the pain that you can make something good out of, like absolutely the worst kind of pain. So, and women suffer from that more than men do. Um, So that's another thing (laughs) to keep in mind and why the conversation before you do anything is very important. But Men have the same exact erogenous zones with some exceptions. And so 
if we're going to have a discussion about like sex and all of that, like it's very important that men know that it's okay that you derive pleasure from those erogenous zones too. And also that you can choose to do that instead of (laughs) the other, (laughs) like the most direct thing in the beginning, um, during foreplay. Like, I mean, she can touch you (laughs) in those places. Come on, Tiana, be candid, come on. (laughs) Be candid, come on, say what you got to (laughs) say. I'm just, I'm just... Don't, don't just, shy away from it, Tiana. Say what you gotta say, Tiana. I say it out. Like, if somebody likes some nipple play, get some nipple play, my dude. And it's okay to get some nipple play. Yes, it's yes. all right. That, that it's all right good. if you like if you like your your anus rubbed. It's okay. It's yes. all right. It, yes, it doesn't are... make you any less of a man. These these are things that are sensitive on some people, not so sensitive on other people's. And that that's something that you enjoy. That's something you also communicate with your partner before. Yeah everything takes place yeah and i think that if you're going especially if you're going to be in a long-term relationship that you explore those things (laughs) like like i understand not wanting to do that in a casual relationship um but if you're in a long-term relationship i think exploration is a very important thing to do for men especially because there's where else do you have that space to do that Um, and so like, we can't leave that part of this conversation (laughs) like out because it's super important as well. Like if you're going to touch her there, let her touch you there. (laughs) So yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of stigma behind it. Like, oh, you gay. Like, how am I gay as a woman? That just doesn't go with the whole definition of what you're talking about. So Yes. Be free to explore some things. If you are if you have that level of comfortability with that person, it's okay if you like those things. Um, it's okay to like be super aroused by someone kissing your neck. That doesn't make you any less of a man. It's okay if you like a woman to rub your butthole. It's, it's okay. Just it, enjoy it and don't, and don't be shy about speaking with it with your partner or you're also not going to have the greatest of times. Um, but... No, no buts. Any discussion <laughs> on that? <laughs> I mean, unless unless butt stuff is is on the menu, unless um, unless, unless you love that. Uh, but yeah, so my my goal usually is for a three to one because my erogenous zones are very not sensitive because I have torn my body apart via dance and weightlifting, so my nerve endings are a lot shot. Um, so three to one minimum. Um. And I know most of that is going to happen before I do any type of penetrative stuff, right? And being aware of that and being cognizant of that is also a good way to approach that situation, right? You're like, if you're going in with the mindset of like, well, I'm going to shoot for three. You're not always get three, right? But if you go into your like, whoo, I can't do that anymore, and your partner seems to be satisfied, you've asked the question, are you good? And you've gotten an enthusiastic yes, then you move on, right? But having a goal, having something in mind where you're not just aimlessly like 
doing whatever, right? And also paying attention to your partner's body language and body cues, right? And some women are way more vocal than others. So you have to listen to also what they're saying. You can't just go off, you know, diddling in the forest and not paying attention to what the, you know, person at the bridge told you, right? Because you will get lost. So uh, I was on a track somewhere with that. Yeah, but, you know, you have to pay attention to your partner. That was the whole main thing of that. You have to pay attention to what they're saying and what they're not saying, right? Because if you're making them uncomfortable, their body will tell you way before their mouth does, right? So being able to pick up on those cues and then also being able to pick up on what is really working, especially if you're like, keep doing that. The main mistake men make is not to keep doing the thing they were just told to keep doing. So Sticking with that, uh, Benjamin, do you have anything to add on to that? Um, be be willing to put your ego aside mm. is super important. Um, you might think that you're really good at doing a certain thing, and you might have been with a different person, mm. but maybe this person experiences that differently, and um, be willing to m- change what you're doing. Because some people like things different ways. Um, don't take it as a I'm not good enough or I'm inadequate. It's just different. Um, and in that same vein, like, boys, if you don't know how to use a vibrator, you need to learn. <laughs> um don't like and that comes back to ego because i feel like there's a lot of men out there who feel like you know i'm a big strong man super masculine and 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 with my dick um and they they feel like that they have to be like everything well sometimes she needs a little something more or she just likes a little something more and i think like embracing that um you know bringing other things to the table like a vibrator or two is not something that you should shy away from, especially because of ego. Um, Be willing to do things that like you haven't done before or do things differently than you've done before. Um, And again, that comes back to communication, but it's also being willing to accept that like, just because you've had good results with something in the past, that that's always going to be how things are. Mm-hmm. Every every person's body is a little bit different. Yep. Totally agree with that. And, you know, making sure that, you know, you stay up to date on what, what's happening out here in the world because there are a plethora of resources to help you figure out, you know, new things to do so that you aren't stuck in the same rut doing the same thing. But the whole ego thing, too, goes of both, you know, both sides of the of the eye, you know, like women, the same thing for you. Like you might, you might think you are the throat champion, but you might not be doing it for that guy with, with that, you know, some guy. So you have to, you have to throw expectations out and kind of pay attention to what's going on in the moment. And, you know, there's been experiences where, you know, I've had a partner not be happy because I didn't finish. I'm like, I, 
I'm okay with not finishing. Like coming was not my main goal for this. It was like to make you feel good. And like, mm-hmm. you have to be okay with like me feeling good that I just feel good because I made you feel good. Right. And so that goes both ways too, guys. Sometimes she'll be like, no, I didn't come, but I had an awesome time and I'm okay with that. And so, yeah, that's the whole ego thing. It's not, the interaction is not one-sided. Even if you're like, your main goal is like, I'm going to make her feel the best that she can. Like even, even in those instances, it's not always going to work out. And you have to be aware that they can still have a, an awesome time. And if you ask them what they thought about it or what you could have done better, which is something I always, I always ask for feedback because conversation is key. Um, you'll find out like, Hey, today I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in like the headspace thinking about orgasm. I just wanted to enjoy the time. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad I was able to assist with that at least. So. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm one of those people (laughs) like, and it's always, it's always really upsetting (laughs) when I'm with a dude and they're like, Oh no, but I was supposed to do this. Like, no, no. The only thing you were supposed to do was make sure that I wasn't uncomfortable or Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to stop at any point. Like, that's the only thing you're supposed to do. Other than that, like, if I tell you that I had a good time and that, like, what we were doing was okay, then we're good, dude. Like, like I'm one of those people who have nerve problems. And so my sensitivity is like all over the place. It's never the same (laughs) any day, which is really, (laughs) oh, it's a struggle. But when it comes to intimacy and sex and stuff like that, it's just, it's an even bigger roller coaster for me. So like it would be impossible like for the person that I'm with to understand what to do because I don't know what to do going in. (laughs) (laughs) So, so for me, a lot of sexual encounters are just about enjoying my time with the person and that different level of intimacy that sex can bring. And so like, it's always super frustrating for me when I'm on the the end of like the guy being disappointed because I didn't orgasm or or orgasm multiple times. And it's just like, dude, like my body is not built like that anymore. <laughs> um, and like you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with like the the both the mental limitations that your partner can have at any given time but also the physical limitations that your partner can have at any time yep absolutely um so in the same vein of like limitations and things of that nature on both sides of the aisle you also have to have this general discussion it's okay to use lube I promise you, you must use lube. Like it's not. I promise you. Like you can't I say it's okay. You, it's like, okay. you have to. <laughs> no, no, I have to say it's okay because some some people just need to hear that it's okay. They need to hear first that it's okay that you can use lube. You know, 
you know, it's okay. Now you say, now you must use the hoop, <laughs> right? You have to use the men first now. You can't beat them over the head with the bat first. Walk them through the door first, okay? One, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Now do the thing always, right? Um, I know we just had this discussion on other podcasts about WAP, right? And some women really pride themselves on oh, what that thing gets. But, you know, there's only so much you can do. Friction, all that good stuff. It's okay to have lube in the room. Guys, have it. Just just use it. It just makes everything better, right? They even have flavors for you now, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just use it, especially if you're if you're not in this like committed relationship, and or if y'all just decided like not to use condoms anymore or whatever. If you're, especially if you're using prophylactics like that, you absolutely need lube because there'll be all types of chafing and rubbing, and that's how condoms break. Use lube. Get it, have it, understand it. And, you know, there's this notion, too, on top of talking about condoms and things, that it's unsexy to pull out a condom in the middle of a situation. It's not. It's, it's, it's not, you know, because to me, it's like I'm protecting you, you're protecting me. It's a, it's a give and take. It's a mutual thing. We both understand the situation. We're not trying to have any kids. I think we had that the whole bothers F- guys more than it bothers women. Mm-hmm. Like I've never, I've never been in a situation where he pauses to put on a condom and I'm upset. And I've never heard any of my female friends say say anything like that either. Like we uh, have very frank discussions about like sex and stuff and so like (laughs) and I mean I'm sure there are people out there like that who do get upset about like you pausing in the middle of the whole interaction but like the majority of people just like I've never I've just I haven't encountered it and I from all of the research that I've done on sex and intimacy and stuff like that i haven't heard women say oh yeah that's annoying or that upsets me and i mean like that's also another thing that you can talk about beforehand as well it's like is that something that frustrates you like me stopping the foreplay to put on a condom for example like that's a very frank question that you can ask and then you can figure out a different workaround for it um and i mean condoms aren't necessarily the only uh form of contraception that creates a physical barrier either like there are female condoms that she can have placed already the entire time that you're <laughs> going at it and then there is no need to stop because you don't have to put on a condom because there's already one inside of her mm-hmm. yeah i just had an experience where you know i was going to put one on for foreplay because you know i don't there's too many things going on out here and she was like really 
And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I've never done that before. And I was like, well, today's a first. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century. They make unlubricated condoms for such things. So, but yeah, just, yes, guys, but to guys, yes, it's not, it's not unsexy. Put the thing on. We have too many people in the world. Um, yes. <laughs> and Hashtag put the not thing a breeder. <laughs> Hashtag team no baby for life. Hashtag lube life, which is a brand of lube. <laughs> Go buy it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Okay. It comes I in just, lots of flavors. I just want to point out that also, like, they make different sizes of lube. And if you're a guy who enjoys masturbating, just buy a bottle of lube for masturbating instead of having lotion or whatever. Because I 100% will tell you that lube stays whatever. Like, I know that lotion, it stops. It stops being all lubricating and whatever. So if you're using lotion, like... I'm telling you, Lube will step up your game. You will enjoy <laughs> your masturbation session so much more if you just switch to Lube instead of some other form of lubricant that's in your house already. Like, just buy Lube. And I understand that, like, if you're younger, you don't want to buy Lube. Or if you're in a position where you live with your parents, you don't necessarily want to buy Lube and have it all out and your parents come across it. And that's a whole thing. But I'm telling you, if you masturbate and you're a guy, um, lube is where it's at for you. I swear. I swear it is. <laughs> like, you're just going to be so much happier. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's yeah. But hashtag lube life. It is. A, <laughs> it's a brand of lube. Go get it. It's great. Um. <laughs> Uh, so yes, you absolutely have to have loop, uh, use it. Don't be scared of it. Um, and then I don't, I don't, the, the, the penetration side of it, we can have that discussion. Um, but this is not about like techniques or anything. It's just pay attention again it's just another part of like listening and paying attention and listening to the body cues like guys are like i gotta put the whole thing in and that's not necessarily true you don't have to go balls deep every time (laughs) actually you you shouldn't you shouldn't ever please don't touch my cervix Please, please do not do that. It is hey. it is not a fun button. The fun button is on the outside. Do not touch my cervix because I will punch you in the throat. And I know so many other women will too. Like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Well, that, you can you can make that claim for yourself, but that's not true for everyone. I said so many other women. True. I didn't say all. Yes. I said so many other. Yes. <laughs> So many other women, yes. So that's another discussion you need to have if you feel like you are uh, endowed enough to reach said level. Make sure you ask your partner, hey, uh, how's the cervix going for you? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is that that a (laughs) no-go? How far to pound town are we going here? Do you just like a few light touches? Do you like a few brushes? You know, don't, don't just start cramming your penis in people. Yeah, you can't you can't just um, be yeah you can't do that also 
there's the there's the other part of this too about penetration is that um some women can't have any form of it at all like none they can't even wear tampons no penetration at all whatsoever so you gotta you have to be flexible <laughs> like this is why the conversation in the beginning is so important because that's not something that you would find out and then if you wait then it's too late and that's nope no you're gonna you're gonna wind up sending somebody to the ER and that's not okay um so <laughs> it's like some women absolutely can have no form of penetration it's a medical condition and it's more prevalent than people think that it is um and so that's why foreplay is important that's why knowing the other ways that there are 16 forms of orgasms so why that's important um because those people also deserve to orgasm and if you wind up in an intimate sexual relationship with someone who has that condition like i think there's there's more detriment to you walking away than you figuring it out <laughs> so right. keep that that's mm -hmm. something to keep in mind too absolutely benjamin you have anything to add no um <clears throat> yeah that's been a that's been a conversation like with with our friend group like you know people that just can't engage in that kind of activity um and like especially if that's the case we should not view um I even even the use of the term foreplay kind of rubs me the wrong way in some ways because like um i feel like we put so much emphasis on the penetrative act that we de-emphasize all the other forms of intimacy um and for some people those quote-unquote foreplay is all they're able to do and we that should not be viewed as like a lesser thing or like um like they're deprived of of something um like don't be so focused on like the the penetrative form of sex that you consider everything else to be less and unimportant um, all right I agree. Yeah. And and uh, I, I really I really wish that I didn't have to say this. Um but apparently some people still think this is a thing. Um having lots of sex does not stretch your vagina out. Full oh, stop. Boy. Doesn't happen. Not a thing. <sighs> <laughs> like come on. Like I, we we ugh. it's not a thing. It's not a yeah. thing. Yeah, if a, a, a woman can push an entire can push an entire human out of there, a watermelon, and go back like, to like mm -hmm. babies are the size of a watermelon. <laughs> a whole fucking a, a whole sentient ten being pound human came out your of her Your little vagina. Peter Whacker ain't doing any damage. <laughs> yeah, oh. it, it, it goes back. It actually can get. It can go. <laughs> I was trying, Tiana was trying to skim over that because I knew I was going to laugh too hard if I focused on <laughs> Hit you with the southernism right there. Peter. Uh, for real though, y'all. Tell me, tell me where the logic is, okay? You have sex with a thousand men versus have sex a thousand times with one man. 
It, it, it makes no damn difference. Like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm gonna stop. Yeah, that, yeah, that's an absolute myth. And also, like, it can actually get tighter because it's a muscle and they can work it. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, guys, stop saying that. Stop believing that. You're doing yourself a disservice <laughs> with mm-hmm. with your stupid thought processes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just calling them out. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just sometimes you do have to beat them over the head with the bat. Um, yeah. So, just in the grand scheme of things, if you took anything away from this conversation, is that you need to have a conversation with your partner before you engage in anything, um, sexual or not. You know, leverage those expectations. Figure out what's going on. Figure out, you know, where you stand, what you want, what they want, and just do your best not to make anyone's life more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, because we all have our own things that we're dealing with every day. And, you know, fun time should be that. It should be fun time. Don't don't make it harder for someone else than it needs to be. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there was a, a broad range and scope of things discussed. Is there anything else either of you want to add? I think... I think when I know so, there's so much more, but yeah. So to put this whole conversation that we had back into context of the original question of sexual assault and rape, these are all things that come after the enthusiastic yes. But if you don't get an enthusiastic yes, that does not mean that you pressure someone into saying yes. It also doesn't mean that you continue to wait your turn or you get angry about it or you or you put yourself into the quote unquote friend zone. Like women don't owe men anything. We exist because we exist just like men exist because they exist. So if you as a man (laughs) are existing because you exist and you don't want to have an intimate sexual relationship with someone and you don't think that you friend zone someone or anything of that nature, then you have to have the same mindset when it comes to a woman. She didn't friend zone you just because she doesn't want to have sex with you. In fact, A lot of times she doesn't even consider you a friend. So that's, but that's a different conversation. Um, So when we're talking about rape and sexual assault, there's also the very prevalent statistic that the majority of rape and the majority of sexual assaults happen from men that those women know, like a coworker or a friend or someone within their family because they felt entitled to that woman's body just because she exists. Whereas on the flip side, you wouldn't feel entitled to your male friend's time or whatever kind of relationship you have with them just because they exist. So if you get a no 
you get a no. If you get something that sounds like a no, you got a no. If you got something other than an enthusiastic yes, you got a no. And that no (laughs) doesn't entitle you to continue to pursue. That no means that you stop all pursual. And if the only thing you wanted from her was sex, fine, perfectly fine. Like we're used to that. Just move the fuck on. That's the part that we're asking is you to just move the fuck on. (laughs) So that's it. I just wanted to put this whole conversation that we just had back into context of the original question, because I think that that's super important as well. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's drive that, that point home one more time. You are not entitled to anybody else's body. Like, full stop. I don't care who you are. You are not entitled to anyone else's body. And that's, uh... Probably where I'm willing to rap. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. 100%. I don't have anything else to add. That was a great way to sum that up and put it back into perspective. Um, This has been a fantastic episode. Thank you. Thank you guys for being my first guest on the Laugh Not to Cry podcast. Feel free to plug your podcast and socials whenever you're ready. Okay, so you can contact us at our email, which is nowaterbreaks.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can connect with us on Twitter at no water breaks underscore. Um, we're on everywhere, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, and we will potentially catch you on the episode we had Jeremy as a guest on. Hey. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. And... That's all for now. I'll catch you next time. Peace.